Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 83 of the Archaeologist Podcast, the show where we discuss everything and anything that has to do with Ark Survival Evolved. I'm your host, Sean D. Knight, and with me are a number of players that are here to offer their insights and opinions on the latest topics, strategies, and upcoming features or patches. As I call to our participants for tonight, say hello to the listeners and how many hours you have in Ark Leg Day. Hey, um, 3,644 hours this week. Grubbard? I am now at 2750. Nice. And Odin. Blue, 950. <laughs> You're getting to that 1,000 mark. The 1K club coming up. <laughs> so uh, not a lot to talk about because we are currently in the midst of changing our regular recording time from Tuesdays to Sundays. This will allow us to get more time to check out the new patches as they roll out and also to get more people theoretically on the show so you don't have to be bored by the same voices each and every week. In this episode, we'll be talking about what we think about the Easter event so far and upgrading your base. Uh, No patch notes to discuss since it has only been a few days since episode 82 was posted, so this might be a shorter episode than normal. With that said, let's set up the YouTube comments. Uh, We did have two, but the second one will be reserved for the later part of the episode. And uh, the first one comes from Mr. Dark Spectre, who writes, You can connect remotely from a phone or tablet to do inference using the Remote R app. You're basically remote controlling your PC using a phone. I use it quite a lot, raising dinos. It was the primary reason I could 100% gigas and squids. You know, (laughs) I'm always iffy about these kinds of apps that allow your mobile devices to control your computer. I worried somebody else will get control. Security reasons, yeah. Depends how professional the software is. If it's like enterprise grade or like just some random app that somebody released. Well, sadly, I use an Apple phone, and Apple products are usually the first things to be hacked <laughs> because Apple sucks. But uh, it's interesting. To, uh, I don't know. I can see the pluses to that just because I hate getting up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. just to imprint and then go back to bed. Would you still have to do it though? You had you just had to reach I mean, over to your phone though and wake up, just touch a couple buttons and lay back down. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be nice instead of getting up, walking down the hall. Right. At the yeah, same I think, time, I, think I don't it'd know. Be more if for I'd the be... people that work. So if you're away from your PC, mm-hmm, work, yeah. then you could do it. Work or school. I mean, all the kids are playing Fortnite during school these days. Could be worse. They could be playing Overwatch. That's true. Game's pretty good. Okay, let's 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 stay away from that. Overwatch is for babies, man. <laughs> Blizzard has gone so casual these days. It's not even funny. But it's nice. It's fun. Nice. It's yeah. fun to have a little break in. Have I have some ridiculous abilities. Two for that. Team Fortress Two. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Overwatch <laughs> is a, okay. We're gonna turn this into the Overwatch podcast. <laughs> I I think it's um. I will give you credit, they, they put a lot more mechanics into the game than I was expecting originally. Yeah, they took Team Fortress 2, mashed in some MOBA characters and <laughs> ideas, and there you go. But that's always been Blizzard's thing. They don't really innovate. They do what Apple does. They take pre-existing genres and items and then just give it a cooler spin or something that's more attractive to the majority of gamers. Sensing you're not a fan. Oh, I used to be a huge fan of Blizzard until Diablo 3, and then I was like, nope, I'm done with you guys. Bye-bye. All right, so uh, let's move to the threads and tweets. <laughs> now, Lyra, Lyra the Flirt made a Reddit post titled, Since the devs are listening, I would like to take this time to list out things that I feel like 
they need to be changed. And boy, did this person go ham on that thread. Well written, though, I have to say, well written. Then they go on to write, Ark has many problems, as we know, and while I feel like the bad art movement has touched on some nice things, I feel like it didn't exactly go after, in my opinion, some areas that I personally feel need touched up on. So I'm making this list in hopes that we can address a wide variety of issues and topics. Uh, the first one they did was about Taman, and... You know, they said, give us a tech spyglass or some way to see the stats of a team before knocking it out. Uh, wanted to get rid of most kibbles. Didn't like how taming works. And I think the solution was uh, varied up a bit like they did on Aberration where with uh, like the crabs, you got to knock it out with a catapult or a cannon. So more interesting ways to do it. I, I don't know about that one. I mean, to have to knock out a crab with a catapult or cannon is kind of annoying now for me. As long as there's like in-game ways to determine how to do it. I don't like how some of these taming mechanics are so complicated that you have to Google. Mm-hmm. Like Trudons, you had to feed them babies? or Yeah. I mean, I don't get me way. wrong. I like the fact that there's variation. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Have in-game ways to discover what the techniques are. Yeah. Uh, taming speed, they brought up the Doet and the Anki that even with kib uh, that they take so long without Kibble to tame them. It's like, eh. Eh, like... Yeah, it takes a while, but if you think about it, once you get them, mm -hmm. pretty much changes the whole Like, you become way more advanced. Yeah. Um, a lot of these changes, changes though, seem to be more to make Ark not so hard or time-consuming. I mean, in Breeden, they wanted Thames... Uh, sorry. Uh, one of the suggestions was give us some sort of way to halt growth and timers for when we are busy at work or other real-life events. Um, don't let color mutations happen on non-used color regions. And then give us a way to see the base stats on the team so we don't have to constantly make folders for recording stats that get removed every time you upload. That last one I, I like. I was going to say that last one would be really handy. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, gives a way to halt growth. That's never going to happen at all. And, that's uh, fire. Yeah, that's fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for like medium-sized tribes, it's not that bad. Like you can have one person, like especially if you're in different time regions. Mm -hmm. One person's typically always on, but for people who play solo, it's pretty rough. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. But if you're going in and playing the game solo, you should be able to recognize the fact that you won't be able to get everything. There's not a game where solo players and very small tribes are going to be able to unlock or experience all the content. There's just no way, unless you're very good at what you do or you have some skill that can help you in the area of politics to... Now get into that end game, fighting with the tech and all that. But uh, it's a, a good post. I recommend everybody check it out. And Jad certainly saw it and replied saying, Thanks for the write-up and feedback. It's clear you put a lot of time and thought into this post, and I wanted to let you know that it was being read by the team. Whether we make changes based on your post, we'll see, but we're definitely going to take everything you and others have said into consideration. So a nice little pat on the head from Walcard. <laughs> Like, that's cute. We see what you did. We like it. But, um, good post. However, let's move on to another one where somebody was crying about, why won't you give the community one at once? And this was in response to a Jen announcing before it came out the um, Easter event. And then someone, the, the very first response to this tweet was somebody saying, we want breeding event, not hats or dino hats for dinos and uh then jim replied we're reducing breeding events so you can expect probably for a year max we'll probably do one in the summer then one person said 
But if the community wants something, why don't you deliver it? Would be better in the long run for ARC. To this, Jim replied, Top complaints from the community are server performance and servers being at tame caps. Both of those issues are infinitely worse with breeding events. That's why color mutation are included in events so people don't have to breed as much also. I take it from your tone you agree with the devs on this one. Yeah, I'm actually surprised you're taking Yeah, because this person's... So I'm getting really sick and tired of all the little babies out there whenever the evil event doesn't happen on a weekend or it comes late and they're just immediately on Reddit or Twitter crying that they want their evolution weekend. And it's like, give me a break. 1x, baby. Let's go back to that. I know. I, I really wish that would separate the men from the boys, the girls from the women. But, uh, yeah, to, I mean, they got a point, right? Mm-hmm. People are breeding like crazy and popping servers, so yeah. the, the color mutation things are kind of excuse. I've seen both sides of that. Like, some people <laughs> that, or, pardon me, complain <laughs> that, uh, hey, you know, you're devaluing my time I took to make my own color mutation by doing this. Exactly. And that's the other thing. It just cheapens and lessens the effort that people put into or the work that they've dedicated. And then, like, with breeding, like, if you're if you're good at it and you understand what's going on, you can make insane stat dinos. Like, oh, ridiculous. Yeah. You can completely work the way the whole mutation line goes. And it's it just makes the game almost unfair sometimes. Like, because you'll have like I don't know like a mega tribe that has ridiculous static gigas, and then you have some Bob who just bred his first gigas and he thinks they're crazy good and just mm-hmm. get clapped. <laughs> well, I I'd say that the complaints seem to stem from most of the people who don't want to put in the time and effort to get these dials up to snuff, get the mutations, and that's why they want these breeding events more and more because they don't want to take the time or dedicate the time to do it. Well, there is an easy solution. It's called PvP. Go find somebody who's raising those and raid them. Take their eggs. There you go. Problem solved. If you are that lazy. I mean, that's the whole purpose of PvP. Welcome to the game. <laughs> All right. Public service announcement. Argent can pick up Doads and Ankies. And this came from Yolobram123. And he simply wrote, Not sure if it is already something that is widely known, but this is really nice. So I looked into this, and according to Elgar... He wrote that uh, as of 279.23 plus patch, the TLC Argentavis carryable dinos changes. And he said the TLC Argentavis was bugged, but the 279.23 patch has fixed it and added a bunch of new carryable dinos. And according to this, they've been making a list of what can be and can't be carried. And this says new carryable dinos, the Anki, the Bulb Dog, Dimetrodon, Doed, Equus, Gallimimus, Gigantopithecus, Glowtail, Iguanodon, Parasaur, Ravager, Shinehorn, Thorny Dragon, Thylaco. And then there were some issues with some of the previous ones we couldn't carry, but our carryable game, which was the Beaver, the Hyenodon, Moshops, and the Procoptodon. I think this is really going to help the early game. Yeah, especially if they can pick up the Anki and the Doa. That is That's huge. what I was thinking. And I, I remember like when they made those changes, at first people were not able to do it and thought, oh, I thought you guys said you were going to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we haven't been able to convert ourselves since we don't have access to Argent at the moment. So if this is wrong, just let us know in the comment section or on Twitter because I would really like to know. But yeah, big change up for the mid game for a lot of the small solo players. The small solo players, the small tribes, which means they don't have to be reliant on having to go directly for the Quetzal anyone. They can actually utilize the 
Argent. Yeah, the Quetzal is really like a big game barrier. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But we were talking about this in last week's episode, episode 82, where we were talking about our further impressions of the Dino TLC Phase 2 and how the Argent was just well done in its implementation for the TLC and how useful it is, again, more so than ever. All right, so uh, here's an interesting question that I found on Reddit. What do you personally look for when scouting servers, PvP-wise? And this was from Koblajo, and he just said, Low population, high population, do you typically bring a flying mount? How long do you scout servers for? Do you scout the map entirely? Do you pay close attention to global chat? Let me hear your guys' scouting methods. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, it depends on... What you're looking for? Are you looking to just offline raid people, aka PVE? Or are you looking for combat? Yeah, I mean, I can give my personal answer, but I know it's going to differ from most people's. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to th I look more towards like stealing. Yeah. So if 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 and that's something I do raid, but if I were, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would find like a, a some kind of medium tier metal base that looks like it has some obvious weaknesses. Yeah. And um, probably go for the low pop. So I'm looking to break in, get the get the loot and break out. Without doing too much damage if you can. Uh, we're so we try not to kill people's downs if we can avoid it. I know a lot of uh PvEers out there prefer to just kill everything because they don't care. I'm 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 the worst. I I'll take over like something that damages wood with me and I'll break into every single house I see, but <laughs> when I when I go scouting, it was just because like we had one guy that found heavy turrets in I was just gonna a say. stone house. <laughs> like yeah, you can get lucky sometimes. You get really lucky sometimes. But I mean, when I go scouting, like and I want to blow into a base and I'm looking to steal or PvP, I'll look like like the main places, like uh, like on the island, like Herbie. I'll go there first. Yeah, go you, to you all go the, for the well, all the typical, well yeah. at least somewhat established bases. Because they're the people that are going to have the best bang for your buck. Exactly. And I mean, like, it, I used to just only take Pterodons over first. But now mm -hmm. that the Raptor got that huge DLC, Raptors scouting are going to be really nice. Too. <laughs> the island. I, I did threaten you that if you ever tried to uh, mix those pastel colors into my red blood Raptor bloodline, I'd kill you. Already happened. I just hatched. Them. You oh, you are so dead. Uh, uh I'm gonna kill those babies, and then you are out oh, of the tribe. <laughs> no Easter spirit. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, uh, T is back in the news again. And for those who don't remember, there's a Chinese tribe that was devd wiped. I think what two months back, and then out of the blue. They were restored, and that followed shortly. No, that happened shortly before the devs announced a general amnesty to all tribes that were cheating, duping, oh, etc. Yeah, remember that day. So uh, this caused a lot of ire in the community. Well, seems that something's fishy up again because uh, Shockus and his tribe had hit T base a little while ago, only to find out that the server rolled back. Their base was restored, and they had to hit it again. Oh. And once again, this is a Chinese tribe. And there seems to be something fishy when it comes to this particular tribe. Clearly, they have admin. Yeah, and I'm wondering if this is due to wildcards getting, 
involved personally, or is this something coming from the top? Where once again, they're owned by Snail Games, which is a Chinese company. So it's something I would like to look in more, into more, if possible. Yeah, I doubt it's that complicated of an answer. Yeah, maybe. I don't think a Chinese executive phoned up and said, "Hey, you put that so, Chinese tribe back." It's interesting because from what I I've, I've been hearing some things about this tribe, and one of them is the fact that the players in the tribe get paid to play in the tribe. That's what? nice. Uh-huh. What? Is like that a that. thing? That, I, hey, I wait, have not confirmed this? this. I have not confirmed this, but that is what I'm hearing. John, when are you going to pay us? I know. <laughs> when am I going to get paid? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to calculate how much you owe me now. <laughs> well, so what is the uh, hourly pay for playing ARC, would you say? What's minimum wage? Times well, $13 hours. is no way in hell. <laughs> for my output? 16 bucks. <laughs> We're going to unionize. We're going to unionize. So, would breeders get paid more than farmers, or would farmers get paid more than PVPers? How would that work? Or does everybody just get a flat rate? Depends how good their union is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the final thread. And uh, this is posted up uh, a petition is being taken for a studio wildcard to make imprints account bound. And according to the petition page, it says many people are losing their characters on official servers daily. Wildcard still refuses to restore the imprints of those. Imprinting dinos consumes a lot of time, and this time shouldn't be just wasted by losing a character due to some stupid errors. Now they're asking for 200 people to sign, and it's currently at 135. 100% no-brainer. They should definitely yeah. do this. And we've been saying this for it a long be... time. I lost a character recently. I've imprinted altogether. Then mm-hmm. I, got, I got wiped like a couple days after, but it still kind of hurt. Yeah, it did. It just it's just once again not the imprints alone, but the tech engrams you have take the time to unlock the buildings you build that you might lose because of it. It, it just it's so stupid, and I don't know what's taking Wildcard so long to do something about this or address this in a more efficient way. I don't think it'd be that huge of a change. I don't think it would be that difficult altogether. Yeah. Of course, if everyone's Steam ID is one, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, so that would be an incentive for people not to make it one, two, three, and to make sure they have a a Steam account and a page that doesn't they don't change the URL all the time. Yeah. I think that would be good. So do it, wildcard. Do it, wildcard. So yeah, uh, no patch notes really, except for 279.234, which they did. They simply added Pixar button to the main menu. Woo. Uh, love it. Love it. <laughs> well, it is now time for some constructive chat as we finish paving the road on Arc Avenue. Now, when it comes to base design, from the perspective of a large tribe, upgrading the base isn't really a thing. The larger tribes tend to just build an outline out of thatch and then go straight to metal, never having to really upgrade their base from wood or stone tiers. But what about the solo players, small tribes and medium tribes who do not have that luxury, either because their people can't put in the hours or they don't have the luxury of gathering and crafting the prefab structures to immediately relieve Frog to a metal base? Uh, this is what we plan to try and help answer, but before we start, a shout out to Next Generation Gaming who inspired this tap- topic and wrote saying, A bit of a random question. It has been stated several times that walls are better than gates, 
but what should they be placed on? Foundations have more HP and can be sunk into the ground, but are a bit wonky to place, while fence foundations are easy to place and hard to hit with explosives, but they can't be replaced, replaced upgraded. So if you need to upgrade from, say, stone to metal, you need to tear down the entire wall and destroy the fence foundation, and then place the new fence foundation, and I think you even had to line it up again. Can't remember if they snapped two other fence foundations of different materials. I'd say never use fence foundation if for an actual structure or building. Well, the key is if you ever want to actually have like a box. Mm-hmm. So that's the, I think the issue I ran into here is you start off with the fence and then later you want to go to a box and because you start off with the fence, you can't make a box. But the problem's going to be the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Fence foundation doesn't give you the ability to do that without pillaring. Mm-hmm. And plus, if you take out, you know, if you put two adjacent fence foundations and you put walls on them, if you take out one of those fence foundations, I believe every wall above that fence foundation goes. I don't think it gets any peripheral support from the side. So I think fence is a horrible idea. So back in my days, uh, legacy days when I was playing as a solo player, I used a combination of both. In my the front gates where I built several areas of walls, I used foundations as much as possible, but along the backside of the uh, my base, which was nothing but a steep cliff, I used fence foundations at the time. And I remember spending a lot of time upgrading from stone to metal, and there was no easy way to do it. I had to destroy all the metal or the stone walls, then destroy the, met- uh, the stone foundation, and then replace it with a metal foundation and just keep going back. It was very, very arduous. But kind of worth it. I liked how it turned out. It did its job, which was to make it harder for people to get over the edge and on into the base. But personally, always go with foundations if you can, rather than fence foundations. And you can cheap out, too. You can have some of your middle floor foundations be stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I re- don't recommend that for the long term, but just to kind of get going. And as far as, like, building up if you're solo, you know... My advice would be to stone out your building first, right? And then build metal interior to it kind of secretly. Because once you start going metal, that's when you're going to start attracting more attention. Yeah. So if you're not metal and turreted like instantly, I think you're going to be a bigger target. Because nothing looks juicier than uh, a big metal base with no turrets. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just remind everybody, uh, for the newer listeners, I should say, especially on iTunes, on YouTube, we do have episodes 44 and 45 where... We had fairly long discussions about building on official PvP servers, so I recommend you check that out. Now, why we recommend foundations over fence foundations? Because, well, you can build anything on them, whereas fence foundations, you can just build a gate or the walls, but not do anything else with it. You can't add ceilings to cover your base or to protect your dinos, if that's what you're trying to do. You're essentially making just an expensive corral, for the most part. Though um, you do use fence foundations in conjunction with regular foundations if you want to double or triple or quadruple layer your base. So what happens if somebody in the stone tier is doing that double or triple wall in their bases? How do you upgrade that to a metal? Is that even possible? Uh, It is, but you're going to lose a lot of mats just by accidentally demoing the wrong wall. Mm -hmm. It's really super tricky to upgrade a double layered wall. But it's stone, why are you doubling up? I could see maybe Scorched Earth with the Adobe, but elsewhere, why are you doubling? Why not? If you can do it. But you want to make it harder stone. for the... Double the cost to get in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, actually, it's just um, stone. The, is it going to be that? 
the flip side of that is like double laying stone, no matter what, if they're bringing C4, it's over. Well, yeah. And and that's the thing, you know, if you're talking about well uh, geared raiders, obviously it's not going to pose a problem, but for penny ante raiders, it's going to give them a bit of uh, a headache because they're going to have to put in more resources and time to break through. It all depends, but, you know, I see people, some will sometimes do that with stone tier because maybe they don't just have easy access to metal so they don't have much of a choice first time i saw a rocket go into the side of my stone base i realized how useless stone really was yeah (laughs) yeah it's a shame because the stone tier is really nice i mean it was when the first game first came out there was no stone tier which we everybody thought was stupid and asinine from the get-go when they finally added in everybody was happy until you know they realized the explosives themselves make stone into kindling really but, thank uh, you bear in mind went up mm-hmm. um i'm assuming at the time folks are electrical so there's considerations of what to do with your electrical as you upgrade yep definitely also just a random thought when you're moving into metal don't underestimate the power of having more than a handful of uh primitive forges you know i tried mm-hmm. to operate out of two or three and in hindsight it was a mistake because <laughs> i'm like oh you know forge it's like super expensive it's like 125 stone i ain't got all day for that <laughs> it, it pays for itself yeah and that's the thing people just gotta learn to you know farm efficiently produce it efficiently but yeah a lot of smaller tribes and soul players seem to make the mistake of not planning ahead not design the base with the idea of i gotta upgrade this to metal as soon as possible for the most part so some of the tricks obviously would be to outline everything in thatch foundations, thatch structures, just to get a sense of what you're doing. Um, what are some of the things they, sh- what are the, some of the pitfalls of baseball you guys can think of that would hinder or make it much more difficult to upgrade the base when you get to that point? Um, that no clipping. Mm-hmm. No clipping. That just ruins personally. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would really hinder it other than, I mean, there, there's certain things where they shouldn't be a problem at that level of play, right? Like, if you're putting industrial forge, it's going to be hard to reach certain spaces. Uh, you, you would think, but once again, we had players who had been playing the game for years who didn't realize that cooked meat healed dinos faster than raw meat. Well, speaking of which, so this is not exactly a pitfall in upgrading, but it's a pitfall I see when people start upgrading. Mm-hmm. Is they'll put metal structures on top of like stone foundations. Start from the bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't I do that. Yeah. That. So it's like why? Because once again, you built the you put a metal door on top of a stone foundation. They can easily blow through the stone foundation, and the metal door will just demolish itself. Why would you do the? It's like this, you got to work from the foundations. You need strong foundations. It, it also, you know, some of the, to be fair, some of the building mechanics are really counterintuitive and we kind of take them for granted. Like if you build a, a floor and you build a ceiling, as long as you're like connecting the sea, it's hard to explain, but as long as that ceiling piece has some kind of direct connection to the foundation below it, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But that's really counterintuitive. In fact, it was a long time in coming before I realized you could pretty much build a ceiling infinitely as long as there's floor beneath it. It doesn't need to be supported by anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you need to upgrade your stone at all? What about the idea of starting off with a small stone base somewhere, but keep actually want your long to be on base intact while you're building a metal base? Because one of the other things I've seen is a lot of folks have, where they put their stone base, really the most strategic. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You, yes, that's actually a very good point, Grub. You, you're probably not going to be building your metal base where you build your stone base. 
you know, you're probably going to build your first stone base hidden in some tree line on the island somewhere, right? That's typically what I do. You make a little one by one or whatever with just enough to get by and then slowly work your way up to, you know, have you guys ever talked about where to build a base? What makes a good spot? <sighs> That's... Yeah, we we have in the the in episodes forty four and forty five, but it's always good as a refresher because location, location, location. It's very important where where the location is that you are building because you want to take advantage of the natural landscape that might even provide natural defenses for your base if possible. Yeah, because if you're if you're just starting out, you want to be near all the metal and all the stuff like that. I mean, mm. if you're if you're a really old big tribe, you don't really care about that. You just want to have the most defensible position, but. If you're just starting, you want to be able to pick metal by hand if you have to. Yeah. And, and speaking of one by ones, that actually just reminded me of something else. When you're going into metal, um, pace tends to be a little bit of a bottleneck. Uh, not so much anymore with beaver dams, but what I like to do is I like to put a little hidden stone one by one by all the beaver dams with a box in it. So rather than taking the time to travel the entire map only to find that there's no beaver dam there, mm -hmm. you just spawn around every one. Collect your paste and then put it in the box. And then at one point, you make a pass and go to all your one by ones and collect up all your paste. Yeah. Or get some snails. Or get also, some snails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually, yeah, snails will make that obsolete. But the, the but semi related to my last comment, you're going to spawn in that box, you're going to be naked, and you're going to try to get the paste, and you may or may not get it. The beaver's probably going to kill you because you're naked and unarmored. But then all you do is you spawn back at your box, they've lost the aggro, and you pick the paste off your body. Yep, that is true. So I'm trying to think of what other issues arise when you're upgrading. I mean... I think for me, the biggest thing I've realized over time is just space. When you start mm -hmm. off, what you think is a big base, a few weeks or months down the road, is nowhere near a big base anymore. Right. You're all suddenly cramped. Your dinos will always take a thing. Give yourself space. Two crafting areas as backup, or just because you'll get cramped and need it. So... You get by with a little bit at the start. Eventually, you'll realize as you try members, you just need a lot more space. And it gives some thought to how you're going to do like the electrical and water ahead of time. Oh, don't yes. make it an afterthought because what will eventually happen? Your base will keep growing. And you'll be stuck with the mistakes you made like four months ago. I did that with my irrigation back in the legacy days, and uh, it was pretty messy to be honest. And I always thought wanted to go back and do it, but it would have taken too much time to redo it, and it was working. It was doing its job. It was watering the crops. But yeah, Ooh, irrigation is such a pain. I mean, that's a whole other topic, irrigation and electric cabling. But uh... Yeah. But for the most part, if you get those down right, it doesn't really matter in the long run when you're upgrading your base because those that this, the infrastructure there doesn't really need to be changed or fiddled with once it's been set in place properly. Thankfully, I mean, ha imagine if you were redoing your base or upgrading your base and you had to redo the electrical wiring and the irrigation. I am Ooh. currently trying to do electrical wire and irrigation through an industrial forge at the moment. <laughs> it's very hard. Why I don't build. Yes, why I don't build. <laughs> I make the worst looking things that barely function. <laughs> really bad. Yeah, I just designed a base to be functional, and I don't care if it looks pretty or not. I can work on the aesthetics later when I've been established. It doesn't need to be pretty, but I think as long as you have a plan in your head and things are kind of lined up, it'll make your life easier when you're expanding. See, the land doesn't... So, 
for me, bases don't form in my head until I've started working on the landscape and figure out what I've got to work with. And then the base starts to take form in my head until I have some kind of weird Frankenstein on my hands. In fact, you just reminded me of another potential pitfall when you go into metal. Mm-hmm. Um, consider your foundation space based on your the land you're building on, mm-hmm. if it's going to be actual foundation or pillar. Yes. Because you might be forced to pillar and... Uh, metal bases on pillars are notoriously uh, explodey. Yeah, pillar foundations are the worst when it comes to baseball, and you want to avoid that as much as possible. If you can't, you need to design it so that raiders cannot take advantage of your base being on pillar foundations because they love it. That's one of their one of the marks on their checklist for raiding a base. Yeah, because you can. Sometimes line of sight every one of your defenses by just yep. putting underneath your pip, underneath the pillars. Exactly. So uh, if you guys have any more questions about upgrading your bases or how to, or you're having some issues, let us know. That's what the whole Arc Avenue segment is about. Otherwise, let's move on. The Easter event is in full swing. And so, Odin, let's start with you. What is your impressions and opinions on the Easter event so far? Um, I like it. I've just been struggling trying to find, you know, decent level dinos that are of the cool colors because they've all been spawning in at like 20, 25, <laughs> 50. But I think I like so, I like what they're doing with adding the color mutations in. It it helps people, gives you more incentive to go out and tame instead of just breeding and breeding. We got the gorilla at 145. Did we find any others decent? Nope, not yet. I found there was a 150, but it was really, 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 really bad. Still, do you think you missed out on naming that gorilla Blue Balls because it's just blue all over? <laughs> it's not too late. It's not too late. It's going to happen if we can't find him a female yet or soon. <laughs> but I mean, I did have some. I had some fun. I got a level 10 iron blue raptor that I bred mm. with Sean's raptor line. Mm. It came out awesome. That's that's one thing I like. You can bring colors in a little bit easier, especially if you get males. Yeah, I think I like it. Yeah, I haven't really bothered with picking up or trying to collect uh, Easter eggs. I haven't. I don't care. I really don't. I'm not even sure if I've seen one yet. I think it's too many eggs for like a skin. And that's the thing. The other the skins themselves don't care either. Yeah, because I I'm just gonna lose them eventually. Gonna completely lose them, and I'm gonna like, oh, I wasted like. So many well, know, hours, minutes looking for all these eggs. We just need to capture all those bunnies, put them in one pen, and just come back. <laughs> so my thought is, when it when it comes to the the skins that they have, where you can gather, I remember all the time and I spent gathering um, chocolates and all that for old, the older events to get all the cool skins and emotes. Only to realize, or only to find out that later on during the game's development. Oh no, we're gonna make them achievement based, and you unlock them that way. <laughs> Thanks, wildcard. You wasted all my time. So why should I bother with this? Well, the, chances are you're just gonna give it to everybody in an achievement or something. The issue with that though is like I on that unofficial server a couple months ago and installed a mod that gave me every skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So then it, it kind of and gave me all the achievements. So it kind of just took away from that for me. Right. I mean, like if there was like that's I also like. How they're doing the skin for this is you have to gather eggs because there's not. I don't think there's a way to just every time you spawn in. That's cool, but mm-hmm. I think it, 
unique, like a stat boost or something that came with them, as opposed to just purely aesthetic. But, yeah. You should go and find them. And um, I, I know there's a contest for um, some in screenshots of your painted eggs, and you could. I think the top four people chosen will get like a hundred dollars on Steam or something. It's kind of cute. Yeah. But it's just like, once again, another event has come by where it's rather lackluster to the events of old, where I had so much fun playing and had, just doing crazy things. I mean, the Halloween events in the first year of the game, even, I think almost the same, were so much fun. But, you know, it's just one of the things that Wildcard Camp, I guess it's not fair to say properly do, but I'm going to say it anyways, because they're busy doing everything else. They've got their hands in so many pies now that they can't really spend a lot of time doing these events to any good degree, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, uh, aside from the colored dinos, I'm just not impressed with the event. And it's not pastel colors. It should be true pastels. <laughs> true pastels. <laughs> <laughs> there have been some pretty interesting color, color uh, coordination that I've seen. I don't know. I think the pastels have wiped my mind. Some of them are so ugly when I see them. So garish when they've been mixed. They look amazing. Yeah, if you're drunk. <laughs> I think it's time you sobered up, Odin. You're lucky this is a PG rated or I'd have some <laughs> mean things to say. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess if you guys are enjoying the Easter event or not, let us know. Yeah, like I said, this is going to be a short episode this week. But if you want to keep the discussion going, you can check us out on the Discord channel. I'll have provided an invite to the channel in the comment section of the video and also in the iTunes section, um, which is, you know, once again, the podcast is available on iTunes from episode 72 and onward, so please subscribe to that. And if you would rate and review us, that would be awesome. Uh, hang out with us in the Discord channel. We can talk about ARC or other things if you want. But now it is time to close out episode 83 of the Archaeology Podcast. Thank you to our participants this week, and thank you for listening to us on YouTube. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, feel free to like and share this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also leave comments or questions for us in the comment section below. Goodbye and stay alive, Survivor.